time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, April 12th, 2021. That's for all you listening on a downloaded basis. Obviously, if you're listening live, you know what day of the week it is. Anyway, so good to have you here. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we have so many listeners from coast to coast, wherever you are at in the USA. I want to say thank you for tuning in live. we got a good audience, and it's probably because we got a really exciting, hot topic today. we got Kevin Crichton coming in. He's an entrepreneurial leader who operates a business within a family-owned environment. He joined EMM in 2012. He's done a great job, president and CEO, a lot of tremendous information. I met Kevin through Les Parker, and Les Parker, again, is one of the guys I go to for critical thought. What's going on? What do you see happening? And he says, oh, he kept talking about Kevin, Kevin Crichton, Kevin Crichton. So I said, we got to get Kevin on the program. And then my good friend, longstanding old friend that's still around, Tim Murphy, reached out and said, hey, I got this guy that I'm working with. Uh, would you like to have Kevin Crichton? I said, yes, Kevin. Tim, can you make that happen? So, Tim, thank you so much. If anyone knows National Mortgage News, you remember the name Tim Murphy. It's so good to see him active in the marketplace Appreciate my conversations with him also. And we have a number of others affiliated with him and Kevin's team on the podcast are listening live. So anyway, so good to have everyone here. So stay tuned to the Hot Topics segment a little bit later. Once they were proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate, go check out industrysyndicate.com, all of the podcasts that are there. Business update from Finastra, please join Finastra's inaugural data points. Business update, and it's April 14th, 2021. It's from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Data Points is a quarterly business update to keep you informed on what's happening at Finastra, but also what's happening in a broader sense of the word in the fintech world. Again, Finastra, are so grateful to have them as one of the anchor key podcast sponsors, but you will want to find out what they're doing. Again, Finastra, third largest fintech company in the world. So we do want to pay attention to what they're saying because they have a good amount of information they bring. Other sponsors we want to say thank you, of course, is to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. I love what Mike Frantoni had to say on the January 4th podcast was economic update. Also what Bob Brooksmith and team are doing for their town hall meetings, keeping us informed of all that's going on. Also want to say a special thank you to Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. We're a part of both of these wonderful co-ops. Love the MBA and we encourage you to number one, be a member of the MBA. But then if you want to get up close and personal with your peers, find out what's going on, peer data analysis with the vendors as well, which we're one of them, you can join Lenders One or the Mortgage Collaborative. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America does a great job of helping independent mortgage bankers have their voice heard. They work nicely with the MBA. I like how the teamwork is. It's teamwork. need a lot of teamwork today. Also, Indicom, a technology firm, is a sponsor that provides mortgage expertise in the way of automation, outsourcing, and compliance 
to the mortgage industry. They do a great job. Go listen to the podcast we did in August with Linda Bomar. Got to get her back on as they have some more updates of what's going on. Thank you for your sponsorship as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend does a great job on a leading edge technology that brings that mortgage expertise to the pre-designed campaigns that come together through their CRM and through their other tools and technology. It's so much more than a CRM. And uh, check out the podcast. It's still getting downloaded like crazy. August 17th, 2020, we had Josh Friend on the podcast and uh, I've referred him a lot of business and everyone I refer to him says, man, Dave, what a wealth of knowledge in that guy. Also thrilled to have both Knowledge Coop as well as Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modix, as sponsored. These organizations do a great job of supporting the industry. Thank them all for their sponsorship. Also, finally, Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contribution to each every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst of the NBA with the NBA Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA filed comments opposing the CFPB's proposed rule seeking to delay the mandatory compliance date of the general QM final rule. Delaying the date would not meaningfully expand access to QM loans beyond what would be available under the new general QM rule, i.e. the price-based QM standard. MBA will continue to work with a broad coalition of stakeholders to preserve the price-based QM standard, even if the CFPB chooses to extend the mandatory effective date. Also last week, MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey revealed that the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased from 4.96% to 4.90%. According to MBA's estimate, 2.5 million homeowners are now in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Rob Van Rapport. Does a great job on that MBA Mortgage Bennett. Thank you again, all you at the MBA for all that you do for our industry. Folks, if you're not a member of the MBA, get to be a member. Also, you can have your voice heard whether you're a member or not through the Mortgage Action Alliance. Let's get over to Les Parker, who's good friends with our hot topic guest, Kevin Crichton. Let's get the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Oh, my dream. It's weird, quiet on my screen. Never quite as it seems. Bulls tested key resistance, but nothing happened. The uneven global recovery continued with bottlenecks and excess capacity. Optimism remained high, yet the real economy shows slowdowns and shortfalls, wage pressure and high permanent unemployed. Hiking taxes met no enthusiasm. But the market liked hearing the filibuster lives, which leads to compromise. A total amazing time. So monotonous and not kind. It's deafening to me. These views are my own. Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Good job, Les. I always enjoy how he mixes the lyrics in with the melodies. So that's a good job. He's been doing this for ever. I first ran into that guy back when I was president of my first mortgage company back in San Diego, and maybe even before that, but I was an avid reader. It was like getting sheet music you'd never seen, and you're turning it around, and you're looking at it and go, I have no idea what he's talking about. Then he started talking about convexity risk. I go, okay, this guy's on drugs or something, but he is just one smart guy. Check it out. Another smart guy with knows what's going on in the markets. 
is Matt Graham. The good news I found out just before we got into this is you, like me, they got into this not by intention. We were also talking with our guest. He says, oh, yeah, can't leave home without MBS Live uh, sitting here on his phone. So that's good news. That's a good thumb up when you got our hot topic yes, as a customer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening? Accelerated auction schedule this week and treasury auctions have been pretty big market movers in 2021. And uh, the 10 year just hit and it was weaker than forecast, but it is not having a huge deleterious effect on the bond market right now. So that's good to see. So yeah, 10 year treasury auction, not a big negative effect to use a, a $2 word. And that is good to see. It's goes hand in hand with what Les was saying about things being kind of more boring recently, which is a much needed change of gears for the bond market after a fairly rapid spike in 2021. But we will get to that in just a moment. I know you can't wait to hear what happened last week and Mm -hmm. uh, what we got in the econ calendar. So basically the bond market, if we're talking about it in terms of 10-year yields, uh, and we can do that now because the treasuries and MBS have reconnected quite a bit, enough that we can once again look for cues from treasuries. We are approaching this from the standpoint of 1.75% being relatively the ceiling level as far as 10-year yields are concerned. And we're looking to reinforce and establish that ceiling over a longer period of time than just a couple of days. And we've probably seen that in the past few weeks. Last week was really the first week of 2021 where I said, okay, we've shifted gears from this rising rate trend into a more sideways range. And that is a much needed change, obviously, with the pace of rising rates. So there was a paradoxical reaction, yes, with the 10-year just now, but then also at the beginning of last week, ISM non-manufacturing or services came out at a record high. And uh, yes, we do expect some rebound in econ data as lockdowns are lifted. But uh, a record high is a record high, and bonds didn't react to it. And that was last week's first clue that we would continue to see defiance of strong economic numbers as they come out on an individual basis. They are not contributing to a narrative that is making traders worried about rampant economic growth or inflation concerns just yet. We had more strong data later in the week. And same story there. Like on Friday, producer prices broke records. Now, those records only go back to 2010, but still uh, core inflation at the producer level over 3%. And if we're talking about the Fed looking for 2.5% and we're talking about a normal inflation level of 2%, 3.1 seems pretty big. But we did talk about the fact that 3% readings year over year were likely due to the base effects, meaning that last year's inflation numbers on the months starting now, so from March, April, May, got very, very weak. And so when you base a 12-month look back on those weak months, then yeah. you have a stronger reading today. So those are base effects, helping inflation be bigger than it probably really is. But disconcertingly big for people that are worried about inflation, the bond market said it wasn't worried about inflation. Notably, Dave, there were articles, even by smart people, that said the inflation report on Friday morning was behind a little bit of weakness on Friday. And I would beg to differ. The weakness on Friday came almost entirely before the producer price index. It was a factor of this 
consolidation. And that doesn't mean that rates are just going to now go down because they're going up. It means that we're cooling off and biding our time and we're going to wait to see what happens next. And that bounce notably took place at 1.62%. 1.62 has been an important pivot point for bonds, meaning anytime yields approach it, they're more likely to bounce and break. Right now, they're treating 1.62 as a floor. There was a bounce late Thursday and then early Friday, both at 1.62, and then just moderate weakness heading into the weekend. And PPI came at the tail end of that weakness. In fact, rates actually fell to lower levels to close the day after the PPI report. So inflation taken in stride, stronger econ data taken in stride. These are the things that financial markets are expecting. We should be seeing stronger data. We should be seeing hotter inflation, at least in the short term. The bigger questions concern where we will be several months down the road, uh, where we'll be heading into the next school year, into the next winter, blue and cold season, hopefully not COVID season, and what the permanent changes to the economy look like at that time. Of course, the fiscal picture is a big consideration for the bond market. And we had uh, Manchin last week kind of putting a a wrench in the works for Democratic spending goals, and that's good for bonds. Any talk of increased taxes, also good for bonds because it generates revenue from sources other than treasury issuance. Treasury issuance, a big thorn in the side of yield. So the takeaway last week was really sideways consolidation as opposed Mm -hmm. to new big rally or ongoing sell-off. And uh, we're looking for more of the same this week, more confirmation of that. And we have a lot more economic data to consider to see if the market wants to ignore that again. And I think it's a decent enough chance that that's not where the focus will be, although it could provide a little bit of short-term excitement. As far as that's concerned, big tickets. Tomorrow, we do have CPI, so the consumer price index, definitely more relevant than the producer price index. Expected to come in at 1.5 versus 1.3 last time. Still not anywhere near high enough to cause any level of concern. If that thing popped up and over 2%, I think some people might notice, but still the jury's going to be out until we see how things shake right. out in the longer run. 30-year bond auction at 1 p.m., not generally as relevant as the 10-year auction, which just hit and just didn't matter. But sometimes when we see the end of an auction cycle for a week, there can be a little bit of relief as the week's funding needs are over and done with. So we'll keep our eyes peeled at 1 p.m. Eastern Wednesday, no major big ticket reports, but we do have the with us as always reports from NBA for mortgage applications. And then there is important export data, not a market mover. Thursday, Philly Fed, kind of a barometer for they can extrapolate nationwide economic growth from that region. It's a good cross section. That's expected to decline up to 42 from 51.8. Retail sales is seen reversing big time. After last month's negative 3% reading, they're looking for almost a 6% increase. And then jobless claims, 700,000 versus 744 last time. These are really small changes in the bigger picture. And the thing is still leveling off. looks like it's leveling off in the 700s, maybe high 600s, and uh, hoping it will decline. Unless you like low rates, then you're hoping everybody loses their job and you can sell mortgages. Industrial production is seen coming at 2.8 versus negative 2.2 last time. Home builder confidence, 83 versus 82. And uh, builders might be confident because of those housing starts projections at 1.6 million plus versus 1.4-ish last time. And that's on Friday. Last but not least, consumer sentiment, a report that's easy to overlook, is going to be getting more attention from the Fed. 
and consequently probably from market participants due to the inflation expectations component. And that's just a survey question they ask consumers. The Fed has their eye on inflation expectations. They don't even care as much about what CPI and PCE are saying as much as what consumers are saying. They want consumers to expect prices to be moving higher because they'll see that as evidence that their policy objectives are taking root. And inflation expectations haven't even made it back to 2015 levels right now. So there's a long way to go there. And uh, if we see a market uptick in those expectations, then that will sort of be the first brick in the wall between us and uh, all-time low rates, but at least for now. That will be building the Fed's confidence in eventually being able to taper asset purchases and then maybe a two years down the road, raising rates, who knows when that's going to happen. But it really depends on how embedded those inflation expectations become and where the economy goes and what the post-COVID economy looks like. That's all I got for today, Dave. Good stuff. Good stuff. Love your screen. Got it open here all the time. Everyone's saying, man, you know, the financial markets can tell by the screen. I said, it's great screen, great technology. Folks, you need to have this. Like Kevin was saying, I literally have it on my cell phone. You have a new mobile app. Definitely. You can download it now. It's native. We've been waiting a long time for that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's really, really a nice enhancement. And listeners get a special. If they sign up and put in the sign-up code, you put LOL. So look at on lending. You will get an extended trial period without a credit card required. Good job. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Have a good one. I hope to have you participate you the rest of later on in the podcast, if your screen will let you, if the markets will let you. Hopefully. I'm going to try to stick around as long as I can. All right. Good, good, good. Alice Alves here. Alice is a CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And she's got this week's legislative update. Alice, how are you doing? I'm well, Dave. How are you today? I be good. We're having wonderful spring weather. What's it like up there in Ohio? Well, we had some beautiful days last week, but it is rainy today. So we just kind of go with the April showers tune and take it from there. So, But it is nice. There's no snow, so that's the good news. But I've got a correction I need to make. So thank you to our Freddie Mac listeners out there for calling out something that I said last week that I absolutely need to clarify. So when Freddie issued their bulletin related to the second homes and investment properties, when yeah. I was reading this off quickly last week, I said LP, and I should have been much clearer to clarify that it's really loan quality advisor, which essentially means that Freddie's still definitely purchasing single family and investment properties. The loan has to though be run through LP. And it's just that because of the LQA requirement, they won't be purchasing loans run through DU. So that's the only exclusion. I think definitely the way I worded it last week wasn't clear and came across as that Freddie's not taking these all together. So clarifying yeah. that, Freddie is taking investment in second homes. It's just, it does need to be run through LP. Thank you, Alice, for clarifying that. What else do you have? So the main thing I want to point out is still on the Fannie Freddie topic. They both issued follow-up announcements to discussions going back and forth on the QM rule. So as many of you know, the CFPB postponed implementation mm -hmm. of the QM rule to October of 2022. So we're all going, I'll put that on the back burner, right? I got it so next <laughs> year, right? And Rob Van Rapp course, actually mentioned this in his segment as well, that the MBA and many others, including even consumer groups, are saying, just keep it the July 1st. It really causes a lot of confusion if 
we don't implement it on July 1st, we're ready to go. The harm to the industry is going to be if we uh, don't have the QM patch in the meantime, how are we going to manage the loan? So I think the simplest, straightforward way is for everybody, if you read Fannie and Freddie's memos, is that it is effective July 1st for loans that are sold to them. And mm-hmm. so all of them must be originated to meet the agency guidelines. And here, let me read straight from Fannie's guide, actually. So these came out last Tuesday, that essentially they'll be following that the APR will need to meet the tiered requirements that came out. So if you go to the CFPB ruling, you'll see that there's tiers now. I mentioned it last week that the highest tier for the higher loan amounts is 2.25, but you get some breathing room for the lower loan amounts. And then the covered loans will be required to comply with the APR comparison to the average prime offer rate spread as required by the revised QM rule effective for loans that they're for applications as of uh, July 1st. So the application dates on or before June 30th can go with today's rules. And those loans are going to have to be purchased, though, by the end of August. So you'll then have 60 days to go ahead and purchase the whole loans on or before August 31st or in MBS pools with an issue date on or before August 1st. So you'll have a short window there for the MBS pools. But everybody just needs to put that back, right? If you push it to the archive, bring it back forward, and now make sure that you're going to be uh, ready to get this implemented. That's my report for today, Dave. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of comments in. Alice gets it right 99.99999% of the time. That's really nice. It is always nice when we hear from you listeners if there you need clarification stuff. And Alice, I know how conscientious you are, and you are super, super conscientious. So great job, Alice. You are loved out thank there. Thank you. You are loved. You oh, are well, there. I appreciate that. So thank you again. Yep. Very good. Appreciate you so much. We've got Alan Pollock here with the latest tech update. Alan, what you got here? And I'm looking at the time. We're getting tight and tight. Yeah, And I'll just say, if you all listeners knew what Alan is involved with, the the cool things, he would be on your speed dial. At least this segment of the podcast should be one of those segments you go like, (laughs) technology? Alan knows, but what can he say? Read into the tea leaves of what he says. So anyway. We're hanging on every word. I've got to just mention this. I was back and forth quite a bit. I just got myself a 34-inch ultra-wide curved monitor for my desk. It is a game changer. So whether you're looking at Matt's dashboard, there is a Reddit group called Desktop Setups, and there's tons of inspiration, but it is an absolute game changer for anyone that has been considering. And I'm telling you, go ultra-wide curved. Don't go ultra-wide straight. So Uh one of the best tips we could give, David. By the way, if you are a Masters fan, Hideki Matsuyama, who is in my top three favorite golfers, super excited he won. It is the first Japanese golf athlete to ever win the Masters. And by the way, another one of my favorites, a gentleman named Patrick Reed, he finished tied for eighth. He is in the mortgage industry, kind of, because Equity Prime Mortgage, EPM, is an official sponsor of Team Lead. So if you haven't seen that or you're a fan of EPM, now you're a fan of Patrick Reed as well. Made me think, right, we always talk about sports, especially at the time these big events occur and athletes and sports and all these analytics, right? Well, CDW and golf specifically, they created what's called ShotLink. So all of our golf fans out there, everybody knows what ShotLink is. It was partnered and created in 2003 with the PGA. They laser mapped each course, calculating all the locations and distances. Get this, they've got this crazy expanding ecosystem with consultants and plugins and apps. They have 174 million shot attributes and over 80,000 hours of video. 
in 20 years. They have lots of examples, but one example is they can tell you that 99% of PGA players make the putt within three feet. And the most frequent approach shot for distance of a PGA player is 150 to 175 yards. 71% of golfers hit the fairway every time. So I bring it up because what about mortgage stats from CRM, from call center? Everybody looks at what is your conversion ratio? How are you taking that data and moving from the point of sale, the engagement? How did you engage to how long are they engaged? And do they complete an application? And where do they get stuck in the process? How long do they take? Is it certain types of borrowers that take longer? How do you improve that process? And do you let them go kind of free willy and do it on their own? Or do you go and you actually try and intercept and work with them, right? And we talked about being able to help gamification, right? But how do you use the data and analytics? And, and that's really an important thing. So when you think about all the analytics that we're using everywhere else in the world, consider what we're doing in mortgage lending. A couple other really important things. PointServe, they are a digital payroll and tax solution. They're now integrated with CoreLogic and what they call Automate IQ Borrower. It's part of their solution. Uh, and now this extensive network of payroll and tax prep providers is all part of what CoreLogic has. So you want to check that out. Also, David, our good friends at Incelerate, you mentioned them a little bit earlier today. They yep. just made an announcement. I saw it in Chrisman's report. It's called the Data IE, which is trademarked, their solution. And they're saying, turn your borrower data into actionable insights and intelligent engagement. How perfect is that, right? Craft the right message at the right time with more timely engagement. And I can tell you, I have integrated with Accelerate on the point of sale in the past, and they take all the data and all the action steps and the timing. I didn't plan for these two to synchronize with the analytics conversation a moment ago, David. But Incelerate actually does that, or part of that. So you want to use ShotLink from the PGA, you want to know where your borrowers are, and you want to talk to Incelerate, friends of the program as well. By the way, topic I'm going to bring up next week, but everybody talks about it, right, David? It's called, do you use the AWS cloud, right, as you start to migrate, or as your vendors consider migrating, or you're looking for a new vendor, or do you go with Azure? And is it Azure or Azure? Well, I took a poll as a Google poll, and both are correct. Go figure, one is French. So I know, David, we're short on time today for our special guest. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for being listeners to our program, and uh, we appreciate you. And David, have a great week. Alan, thank you to be here. If you want to get a hold of Alan, send him information, tips of what's going on. Bug him, see if he can crack the code and find out what's going on in his head. Go to Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at TMS-advisors.com. Good to have you here, Al. Appreciate it. Folks, that wraps up this week's weekly mortgage update. Next week, we've got Joe D. Dominicus of NRL Mortgage, another one of our clients, as Kevin is one of our clients. And he said, do you just have your clients on? No, we have not clients on here as well. If you want to come on, we'd love to hear from you. It's more about what you want to say. We're not into producing infomercials here. We don't do that. We want to share thought leadership with our industry. Joe D. Dominicus of NRL is doing some very innovative things. And uh, I can't wait to get him on and share his perspective as well. That's going to be the same kind of level of interview as we've had here today with Kevin. So be sure to tune in next week as we interview our good friend, Joe D. Dominicus. I want to say a special thank you again to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, as well as Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility, MMI, as well as Modex, the MBA, KnowledgeCoop, Lenders One, and Mortgage Collaborative. Folks, thank you so much for sharing this podcast with others. And we thank you so much for being a part of our listening and ever-growing 
community of listeners. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.